Well, today I'm going to talk to you about heaven. Heaven is forever. Forever and ever and ever. Now, people ask me about heaven a lot. Today, if you have a pen or a pencil, get that out and get your bulletin. And when I mention a passage, write that down. Write that uh, verse down. Don't try and do the whole verse. Just get the uh, where it is. And uh, we're going to sort of go through the whole the whole question. Psalms 19.1 is my text today. The heavens declare the glory of God. And they really do. You know, as you look up, you think man didn't do that. Man did not do that. I know those sneaky Russians can do some things, but they didn't do that. You know, we know that that was done by power far beyond us. Well, what do you think about heaven? What do you think? Down through the ages, people have wondered about heaven, wanted to know more about it. The psalmist looked into the skies and was so impressed. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God. When I was a little boy growing up in Tennessee... I would go out and lay down on the front porch. We had some big trees in the front yard, and they were not directly over the porch. The trees swaying in the breeze framed a section of the sky that I loved to look at. I would go out there and lay down and look up, and it was kind of fun. Uh, The clouds would drift by, and I would wonder about heaven. I couldn't see it. I had never heard of an airplane running into it. Nobody with a telescope had ever seen it. Yet everybody in my Baptist church believed in it. I went to another church uh, when I just went to college. Um, They all believed in it. I went to another church and they all believed in it. Everybody, 100%, believed in heaven. I knew as a little child that no man, no man made the sky. I knew that. I knew that it wasn't an accident. You know, I'd seen some car wrecks, but it wasn't anything like that. This that was going on up in the sky was not made of man. Heaven intrigued me. And yet it was beyond me. I couldn't uh, find out more uh, just by myself. To look up into the sky and to see the heaven was so important, was so beautiful, and raised so many questions. It seemed like heaven was hiding from me. Wherever it was, which incidentally I never did figure out, I wanted my whole family to go. I didn't want to be up there with a bunch of strangers. Uh, I wanted to know some people that were there. Throughout uh, all of eternity, mankind has sought answers to his questions about eternity. We have pierced uh, outer space and sent back a lot of pictures. But all of our questions certainly were not answered because of that. We now know that no telescope 
can see the heaven that we are the most interested in. Neither will there be a spaceship that's going to land inside of the eastern gate. The only reliable information that we have about heaven is what the Bible says. That's it. Nowhere else. All of our questions are not answered. But many, many scholars have spent years of their lives just studying about heaven. They have written hundreds and hundreds of books about heaven. People want to know, and if a new big book comes out about heaven, uh, tens of thousands of people will buy that book because they want to know all they can know about that wonderful place. Let me answer some of the questions that I get over and over and over. Uh, I'm going to give some passages, and so as we go through this, if you'll jot them down, then the next time somebody asks you about heaven, you'll say, I have the verses right here, and uh, you can show them to them. Number one, will babies who die go to heaven? Uh, Of course they will. Would a loving God, a heavenly Father, now get that, a heavenly Father, send his defenseless baby anywhere else? Number two, will old people who die always be old in heaven? I've been asked that a few times here. Well, nobody knows the answer to that question. Nobody. Uh, we're going to have to wait on that one, and uh, we'll find out when we get there. But we do know this, and this, of course, tempers uh, something that we believe, and we want to think about it in that context. There's no pain in heaven, none, zero. There's no arthritis. Got a few yays on that one. There's no heart trouble. There is no high blood pressure. There's no poor circulation. There's no poor night vision. And there's no cancer. There's none of that. It's great when we realize that where we're going to be forever is filled not with pain and anxiety. It's going to be filled with good health. On our part. Number three, will we see and recognize family? I believe we will. The whole concept of Christianity is the concept of family. Why would that change in heaven? First Corinthians 13, 12. Write that one down. First Corinthians 13, 12 says, for now we see through a mirror dimly. But then, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, and here's the key word, just as I also am known. Known is the key word. That means you're going to be known in heaven. You're going to know them, they're going to know you. Uh, that's a real comfort to me. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some of the people that I knew earlier in my life that died and are in heaven. 
It'll be great to see them, be with them, talk with them. Number four, do people who take their own lives go to heaven? Well, if they are Christians, they do. It is a sin to terminate God's highest creation. But we have a lot of sin in our lives, and that particular one is not unforgivable any more than any other sin. Number five, do some people go to heaven who don't want to? Yes, they do. And after they are there, they are thrilled to death that it worked out like that. You know, a lot of people, uh, maybe earlier in life, follow the Lord, and then they finish high school, and they quit going to church. They quit hanging around with Christian friends. They start running with a rough crowd. They get with some rough people at work. They get with some rough people at school, and they kind of back up. They kind of back up. Well, a lot of us here change our mind from day to day, don't we? We think this, and then we think that, and then we think the other. Um, you know, we change our mind all the time, but God doesn't change his mind. You know, if there was a point place in your life when you trusted in Christ as your Lord, you ask him to forgive you of your sins, then you're going to heaven. That is going to happen. You're going to go. And you're going to be in the first hour so thankful you can't believe it. You know, a lot of these uh, hippie and drug people that are out and around that uh, don't want anything to do with Jesus now, uh, anything to do with the church now, but uh, one day they're going to be in glory with God's people because earlier in their life they turned to him. If we are one of his children, he is going to call us home. Number six, will we miss people who are not there? Now, this is going to make some of you upset, but uh, I think this is true. Uh, we, I don't think we're going to miss people that are not there because there is no anxiety in heaven. None. There's zero anxiety. There's zero tears. There are no tears in heaven. There's no suffering in heaven. If someone that you spent a lot of time with and that you loved didn't go to heaven, you're not going to be upset about it. Because somehow or another, and we of course don't know how God's going to do this, but God is going to erase them from your memory. Uh, he's going to do it. We're not going to do it. He's going to do it. Because we know that anxiety and tears and suffering are not going to be in heaven. If somebody that you really lo- love didn't come, you'd be crying for a hundred years. So it isn't going to work that way. Number seven. What's going to go on in heaven? I always like these practical questions. It will be better than you could ever imagine. You know that song, I Can Only Imagine? That's a great, great song. Um, And that song has some real good theology in it. We can't imagine what God is going to do for us in heaven. 
Cindy and I lived together in a trailer, uh, an old trailer. Uh, the floor fell out one day and different things happened. Various animals tried to come in through the vent and, uh, we, we didn't like that. Um, so I can imagine something better than that. And, uh, and I know that God is going to give that after 15 years in that trailer, you know, I knew there was something better. You probably won't agree with this either, but uh, I hope our dog that died, that Cindy and I loved with all of our hearts, I hope that dog is there in perfect health. We loved that dog. Well, the Lord wants us to be ultimately fulfilled. So what does that mean? That means some things are going to be fulfilled in ways that we can't comprehend. Maybe our dogs, our cats, or whatever will be there. I hope so. I hope so. We will really, really enjoy every minute of forever. 1 Corinthians 2.9. Write that one down. 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what has never come into a man's heart, is what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, this kind of says to me that heaven for us is going to be customized. It's going to be really, really tremendous for us. I'm happy about that because I don't want any rutabagas or (laughs) greens or any of those things that are related to them. I don't want... Any of those things. Well, I hope that you realize that heaven is going to be just what you want. Not something else. God's going to give it. Amazon's not going to bring it. God's going to give it. And it's going to be perfect for you. Number eight. How big a place is heaven? Some people really worry about that. I don't know why. Space has never been a problem with God. Have you noticed that? It's never, ever a problem. Remember, God set up the universe, the whole universe, and it is bigger than even the scientists can fathom. There was a time in my life when I felt very transient. Uh, I went to various schools. I went to various churches earlier in my life. I moved from one to the other. I don't know if you have ever really felt transient in your life. In a way, we are all transients. But one day, one day, we're going to put down our suitcases. And we're going to take off our coats. And we are going to close the door on earthly things Behind us. Then we will be in heaven. In glory. Forever. John 14.2. Write that one down. John 14.2 says. In my father's house are many mansions. When you've lived in a trailer for 13 years. That sounds real good. 
Some people just think heaven is a little neighborhood off to the side somewhere uh, in the sky. Uh, they think that heaven is reserved for people just like them. And that's it. Nobody else is going to get in. When I was in high school, I dated a girl that went to a church that taught that. That taught that everybody but them was lost. And they would go straight to hell. That's what they all believed. We had a school hayride and I went with her and five others from her church. I overheard them talking when I was kind of a little ways away from them. And the girl that I had taken on the hayride with me said to the others, you know, it's too bad. Ron is a nice guy, but he's going to go straight to hell. That was my last date with her. Some people are going to be amazed who all is in heaven. I mean amazed. They will spend years saying, how did you get in here? We didn't think that you would ever be here. You know, some people uh, just can't get over their preconceived ideas that maybe God is doing something better than the ideas that they have. Well, there are many mansions in heaven, wonderful mansions. You know, our Lord was a carpenter, and of course, things that would be built would be built well. Big, nice ones, all of which are made with the best materials. One is reserved for you. If you have asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins and you've placed your faith and your trust in Christ. That's kind of the entrance uh, exam. Each person has a special place, both in the father's heart and in the father's house. When parents have a son or daughter that has been away for a long time, but now is returning home, the mother makes sure that the sheets are clean, everything is in order, uh, fix the exact kind of food that that child would like. The father does all that he can do to make uh, the one coming home just as happy as possible. And finally, the child uh, comes home. The child arrives. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. It will be a place that you really, really like. All the things will be there that make you happy. They're going to be there. It will be clean. It will be joyous. It will be exciting. It will be fulfilling. The Lord wants us to have an abundant life, a powerful life. He wants that for each one of us. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, the scripture says, we shall all be changed. Now that should not surprise us. We're all being changed regularly. When I was a little boy, I'd see a train, I'd get so excited. I would jump up and down and wave at the train. They never waved back, but I always waved at the train, and I would yell and do everything I could. I wanted to be a conductor in a train. 
For about a year, that's all I wanted in my life was to be a conductor on a train. And I was kind of thinking ahead. I thought, you know, I don't think I'm going to need trigonometry to be a conductor on a train. And I thought about all the things that I was going to have to take in school that that didn't have anything to do with being a conductor. I finally rode on a train from Chattanooga to Santa Fe, New Mexico. I didn't like it at all. After the first hundred miles, I thought, I don't want anything to do with trains the rest of my life. The engine would go forward for a ways, and then it would stop, and then it would go back. And then it would go forward for a while, and it would stop, and it would go back. That drove me crazy. I mean, all the time stopping and backing up and then going forward. I thought, good night, I don't like this at all. It was uh, dull. It wasn't fun. I certainly did not want to be a conductor vocationally. We mature. We develop. We change. When we are little... We would like to get the world's largest lollipop. But when we get older, we don't want that. It's no problem for us at all to just walk right past it and say, no thanks. I don't believe I want that. I believe in heaven we will continue to grow, to develop, to mature. We are changed into our most mature self. Silly, immature ways are left behind. A spiritual self-actualization happens to the fullest degree. I like to think in terms of family. The church is my family. All of the great Christians that you have known through the years, in church, wherever you were, they're going to be in heaven waiting for you. I don't know how they're going to know, but they're going to know that you're coming. And they're going to greet you. People that you led to Christ, they're all going to be there. And guess what they're going to do for the first hundred years? They're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because of you, they went there. People uh, that you prayed for a great deal, probably many of them will be there. They likewise will be saying thank you. Just think, you will be eating and playing touch football and doing cartwheels. You will be eating and meeting all of the disciples of Christ. You will be eating and having all of your theological questions answered. I'm hoping for bluebell ice cream. Uh, I really like it. Uh, Bill Milliken, Dr. Milliken, our former pastor, Love, he would go and buy out the whole place in ice, bluebell ice cream. If they had it on sale, he'd buy the whole thing. Well, I like that. I'm, they can leave the, leave the, uh, rutabagas down here. And the greens, and the cauliflower, and the turnips, all of those things. It'd be fine if they stayed here. The main thing, now in all seriousness, the main thing is that Jesus will be there. That's the main thing. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus will be there. Please don't miss it. Don't miss it. You don't have to miss it. When we go to heaven, there is no loss of continuity. We become glorified. That means we will be honored. We will be dignified. 
We will be more like our Savior. We will be regenerated, which means to produce anew. We will be different than we have ever been before. But there will be a continuity in our personhood, in the identity of the individual. In heaven, you're going to be you. You're not going to be somebody else. You're not going to be some neutered entity that no one can really understand or know about. You're going to be you. I will still be the same person. Your aunt and uncle who are strong Christians, they're going to be there, the same people. The people that have trusted in the Lord, they're going to be there. No change to where you wouldn't recognize them. They're going to be the same people. In heaven, two things will not be present. You could probably guess what they are. There won't be a sun and there won't be a moon. Those aren't going to be there. Revelation 21, 23 says that in the new Jerusalem in heaven, that that place will be eliminated by God himself. Don't need the sun. Don't need the moon. God himself is going to light up heaven. There won't be any temples in heaven. There won't be any churches in heaven. And you think, there's not going to be any churches. We need churches. You don't need them in heaven. You won't need a single church. You say, well, that sounds real odd to me. When you think about it, do you want to sit in a pew all the rest of eternity? No, I don't either. Uh, there's no temples, no churches in heaven. In the new Jerusalem, the home where the redeemed will live forever, the temples and churches are not needed because the redeemed of the Lord will live in the very presence of God, of God himself. We will look directly into the face of the Lord God Almighty. Folks, you don't want to miss that. Well, perhaps there's one or two or ten in the service today that have never really seriously given your heart to Christ. You've never really made it a point to stand for Him. You have to confess your sin. I know you can't remember all your sins. None of us can but just say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins and place your faith and your trust in Christ. Give evidence of your faith. In just a moment, we're going to sing a hymn and we're going to ask you, if you would, to slip down the front here. Take a stand for Christ. If you need a church home, maybe you've been visiting with us for a good time now and you know that this is a Bible-believing, teaching, preaching church. That's the kind of church that you want to be a part of. I hope and pray that if you're here today, you need a church home, that you'd come and join with us and serve with us as we try and reach a lost world that's all around us. I'll be standing down here. Let's stand and sing together.